Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. If you're a first timer, welcome aboard. We're brought to you by MyBookie. I'll tell you a little bit about a way to save some cash by using MyBookie in just a few minutes. You're going to want to hear about that. But first, Robert alongside co-host Stephen Kerr, the Steve Kerr who didn't give a Twitter tribute to Sean Livingston this week when he retired. (laughs) No, it wasn't me. Welcome to the Texans Jaguars postgame show. And Stephen, the the Texans, I kind of feel like they might have won this game because CBS was too cheap to have a goal line cam on both sides. The only angle they had obscured Justin Reed's tackle a little better. Justin Reed obscured uh, the ball a little bit with his tackle. I mean, great tackle by Justin Reed just to stand him up on the goal line. Huge play by Justin Reed. But I get frustrated so much by the CBS production staff. It's never that good. I, I, I've been a naysayer for them for years. I mean, this whole, like the whole uh, game, they were having all sorts of issues where it was like, too dark at times because I don't know, maybe they were having problems because you know, when the light comes in and, and there is a roof and the, there is a little bit of, you know, shade and sun that comes in if the sun's going underneath the clouds, but I've never seen any production have this much of a problem, but I, I kind of feel like this time they might've gotten a little bit of a benefit because if you, if you see that from both sides and maybe they see an angle there that's, that's off, but Boy, the Texans snuck, snuck one out this time. Boy, they sure did. And, and just think, if the Texans had lost that game, then we could blame somebody other than the coaching staff or the players. We could blame the camera crew. They lost the game for us. Cause, <laughs> but it turned out it didn't happen that way. But like, you, you certainly can't accuse the Texans of playing a boring game, at least in the fourth quarter. I mean, I think it was uh, late in the first half, I saw a tweet by John McClain that said, this game is boring. Pinch me when things get exciting or something of that nature. But the the Texans, they, they didn't really play as well, certainly not on offense as they did last week, yet they still scratched out a win. I think I tweeted at the very end of the game, it's a good thing that they don't do wins on brownie points or beauty points because the Texans wouldn't have won today if that was the case. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't look anywhere near as good as they did last week. And, and there's one guy that looked really bad compared to last week, and I'm going to get to him in a second. But first, just the big changes that we saw in this game. Lonnie Johnson playing outside, and they moved Bradley Roby inside for nickel coverage with Aaron Colvin gone. Uh, Titus Howard uh, gets the start at guard. We thought he was going to be the starting guard when the season started until he broke his finger. He's back at guard. Uh, Seniel Calamete was not even dressed for this one. Roderick Johnson replaces Chantrell Henderson. That was the major move, really the one that I think surprised everybody, um, and in a good way. Uh, he was the starting right tackle, and then Kiki QT was active, so they pull him out of bubble wrap. But I don't know about you. Before I get to all that stuff, you know, Stephen, I, I got to talk about Deshaun Watson and. I just feel like he still has a long, long way to go, and I'm starting to get concerned that he's not going to figure this out. I mean, there was a lot of stuff in this game that really frustrated me. Well, if you're you're talking about, in some cases, holding the ball, and he just he didn't look as sharp this week as he did last week for sure. And just when you think that maybe he is taking a step forward and figuring it out, he takes a step back. I mean, think about it. Gardner Minshew 
outdueled Deshaun Watson both in the air and on the ground by a good hundred yards. I mean that that was the most surprising thing to me today. Um, I think you know the the Texans' offensive line they they still had problems, especially in the first half. But I think you know with the changes that they continue to make when you continue to tinker with the line, and I understand it's necessary. You know, you you knew that Titus Howard was probably going to start at left guard, and he had a couple penalties. One of them was pretty crucial, that uh, wiped out that uh, nice catch by Kenny Stills in the fourth quarter, and then just about cost you, you the said, game. That, that was more than crucial. It, it just about did. Yeah, it it just about did. And then of course, as you mentioned, Johnson starting at right tackle over Henderson. You know, unfortunately, we talk a lot about communication and you know just timing and and things of that nature, but. This is what's going to continue to happen as the Texans keep trying to figure out what is the best lineup to put on the field in the offensive line. But clearly Deshaun did not have the same game that he had last week on his end. Well, this game to me was so much. I mean, we talked a little bit about the problems Deshaun had last week with the uh, offensive line uh, as far as the sacks maybe being partially his fault. Most of the sacks were his fault in this game. There was one play where he had all sorts of time, and instead of just throwing it away, he ends up kind of running out of bounds, and 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 it gets called for a sack because he ran out behind the line of scrimmage. There was another play where he fumbled the, and I don't know if this is his fault or the running back's fault. I think it might have been, um, maybe that was Carlos Hyde, but the ball pops loose. Yeah, it was Carlos Hyde. Yeah, so, you know, but still, I mean, that was a sack that was not the offensive line's fault. You know, there was just a, a lot of plays where I thought, get rid of the football sooner, Deshaun. He's got to stop holding on to the, the football. There was one play in the first half where he he gets sacked, and I just thought he held on to the ball too long. There was another play where Roderick Johnson had two guys running at him. There was a guy sort of blitzing on the inside, and then his guy was coming on the outside. He had to pick one guy to, to take, and I think, you know, that's either a miscommunication through the offensive line. They needed to see what was coming and move over. Or or, or that's a situation where Deshaun's got to see that. He's got to know where the rush is coming from, what they're doing. And if if he sees that, you know, this guy, that one particular guy's coming at him, he knows he's got to get rid of the football quickly or he's got to do something. But there were, there's too many times where I'm looking at it and I'm going, Deshaun, Throw the football sooner. This is not college. You cannot hold the ball as long as you do. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to take to get him in that mode. I, I know it, it. I've heard analysts and coaches, you know, say it, it takes a while for a quarterback to figure that out. But, you know, if it takes Deshaun too much longer, he's not going to be healthy enough to play. I mean, that's the issue. And, you know, give credit to the Jaguars defense because they called up the blitz a lot. And I think John McClain even tweeted in the first half that, you know, if, if it were me, I'd be calling blitzes until the Texans prove that they can stop it. Because, yeah, that, that one you mentioned with the two guys on uh, the outside on Roderick Johnson, that was the first sack. And they they blitzed quite a bit. And that was a big a lot of the problem, too. Yeah, just going through the offensive possessions, I, I like to do this because it gives me an idea what happened, what went wrong. The first possession was a three and out on third down to Sean through to DeAndre Hopkins, who was covered, he wasn't quite at the first down marker, but I saw Kenny Stills was running open across the middle. You know, he sometimes gets real, you know, sharply focused on Deshaun, on DeAndre, Deshaun does, and then he forgets about the other guys, and, and that was a situation where 
that happened. The second drive was really good. I liked it. It led to the Fairbairn field goal. They they couldn't get the touchdown, but 15 plays, 71 yards. Then then they had a first down and a punt. A sack killed that drive. That was the one that I talked about where Roderick Johnson had two guys coming at him. He could only block one. Right. Then there was a three and out where Deshaun was sacked. Uh, I didn't think on that particular play he didn't recognize that an extra guy was coming and Will Fuller was open and Fuller was open because there was an extra guy that was blitzing. And that's something that he's just got to recognize. And that's the one I was uh, referring to earlier. Then there was an 11 play 71 yard drive at the end of the half. And let's, let's stop right there. Uh, (laughs) Let's stop right there, Steven, because (laughs) you know what we got to talk about. It it leads to the fair Baron field goal, but there's about, 40 some odd seconds, 30 some some odd seconds left. And I'm yelling at home, timeout, timeout. Timeout, timeout. They had all three timeouts. Didn't use a one. Didn't use one timeout. Bill O'Brien takes two timeouts into halftime because he always likes to carry around timeouts when he goes into halftime just as a added weight so he can get some ankle weights going and, and work on his ankle weight. But here's the deal, Stephen. I understand that everybody gets mad at Bill O'Brien in these situations at the end of games, at the end of halves. And yes, it's his fault. But let me just zero in on this problem, Stephen. Deshaun Watson is an NFL quarterback. He needs to be the leader. There are times where Bill O'Brien's going to screw up. We know this, but he can call timeout. It's legal. It's legal for you to call timeout, Deshaun. And Peyton Manning did it. And Tom Brady does it. And the great quarterbacks, they understand time and situation, and they call timeout. You worry about your coach yelling at you later on. You 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 call the timeout, and you say, that's what needed to be done then. I, I'm going to need that extra time later, Bill, and this is what's going to have to be done, and you're going to accept it because Deshaun's got the power now. He's the, he's the franchise quarterback. He can tell Bill O'Brien whatever he wants to, and nobody's going to blame him for calling – a timeout because Bill O'Brien has a long history of screwing this up. Well, you you just nailed it with the word power. Deshaun Watson does have that power. He's not a rookie anymore. I, I think it's time that, and that's how you take charge of an offense. And believe me, the players can see that. If, if Deshaun steps up and calls that timeout and the Texans score a touchdown, don't you know that goes miles in that huddle and in that locker room? And what is it, the old saying, you, you know, just – do it now and ask permission later or ask questions later. That's that's what the great quarterbacks do. And if, if that's another thing that we can say about Deshaun Watson besides holding the ball too long, it's just being able to step up and say, you know what, I'm going to take charge of this offense. If BLB wants to yell at me later, we can talk about it later. If it works, you can't yell too much. Now, if it doesn't, it doesn't. But yeah, that is another key that I think we haven't really talked about much on this podcast is the take charge of Deshaun Watson with his head, not just with his arm and with his feet. One of the things that I thought was going to be really positive, Stephen, was that the Texans had a new quarterback coach, Carl Smith, a guy that had come over from Seattle. He'd worked with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson knows to do that stuff. We've watched Russell Wilson enough. Won a Super Bowl, almost won a second Super Bowl. I mean, come on. Somebody has got to be coaching Deshaun Watson better. If not then we just think, well, that's who Deshaun Watson is. It's never going to get better. He's not going to figure it out because everybody's telling him what to do and he's not doing it. But to me, this is like, I don't know what else you want. You got a guy 
that's got experience as a head coach or as a QB coach, as a guy that's worked with Russell Wilson, comes in, tries to help Deshaun. Deshaun isn't any better at getting rid of the ball quicker. He doesn't seem to be any better at, at, at recognizing, hey, I need to call timeouts in certain situations. He doesn't seem to be re- recognizing, you know, when when extra guys are rushing, maybe when he when he needs to get rid of the ball quicker. I mean, those are all the things that you would hope that with coaching and Deshaun's brain that that would come naturally to him. I mean, the guy's been a quarterback his whole life. Uh, these guys have been around the NFL for a long time. I, I don't know who you want to put the blame on, but just to say, oh, let's give this all to Bill O'Brien. You know, I'm a hater, but come on. It's not all Bill O'Brien. Well, and we don't know ultimately what goes on in the film room. Maybe they are telling him these things, and maybe he's just either he has that mindset of this is the way I want to do it because I think it works. You know, you can shuffle coaches in and out. You can shuttle offensive coordinators in and out. You can shuttle quarterback coaches in and out. But at the end of the day, if two, five, seven years goes by and the quarterback is still doing what he's doing, ultimately, I think it has to be on the quarterback and not so much the coaching. But there's still time for Deshaun to learn all this stuff. But, you know, with with the offensive line just, you know, being so inconsistent with him getting hit so much, every little bit that he can do to help his own cause is going to keep him upright and healthier for a longer time for him to get that experience. All right, let me just run through the last few possessions of the game. Second half possessions. They punt this time because we talked about the fumble that Deshaun had on the read option play, but there was also Nick Martin. Give him another extension because he really knows how to snap it at Deshaun Watson's knees when he's not supposed to snap it. That that basically killed that drive, those, those two plays back-to-back. Then the next drive, it was one first down and punt. Nothing major that I could see on that one. Then there was a couple of first downs, and they had to punt again. Uh, Deshaun had a a two-yard touchdown run on the fourth and one. The key drive there, and this, Stephen, was about Deshaun, with all the stuff that he was screwing up in this game, he could still do that. He could still do the stuff with his legs when you needed it. It was a fourth and one. I thought the spots were a little bit weak. on the previous two plays. So the Texans didn't get the greatest spots, but you know, Deshaun can still do that. It's, it's Deshaun Watson in the open side of the field where, you know, get him outside of the box and he's got to gain two yards. And there's few guys in the NFL that have the kind of athletic ability he's got. Well, that's right. Hey, maybe the officials were looking at the camera angles too, and couldn't get the spots right. Maybe that was part of the problem. I don't know for sure, but Interesting. Yeah, these guys were not the best at, at spotting footballs the entire game, uh, but they got the last one right, which is which was good. And of course, the last possession that counts. Yeah, the last possession, of course, was Titus Howard, tri- the tripping penalty that caused the punt, and, and Titus with a couple of penalties. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get to more on the penalties in a little bit. But anything else that you had on offense, Carlos Hyde again, man, he, he's just awesome. Well, I think we could call him hide the ride because when you try to take him down, he's just going to take you for a ride. It's just I, I know he's been a journeyman running back for the last several years, but boy, the first two games, I, I, he outdid Duke Johnson today. He he played another great game to Carlos Hyde. So he was certainly a bright spot on offense. And Kenny Stills, you know, even though you know that one catch was wiped out on the, the tripping penalty by Titus Howard, he made another great catch earlier. So it's it's good to see Stills getting in the offense and kind of getting acclimated. You know, and a lot of these guys, they're still trying to figure it out. 
but they're still making some plays. So that was good to see. Carlos Hyde, 20 carries, 90 yards, four and a half yards a carry. He just sees the hole and knows where to go with the ball. And he's doing all of the things, the decisiveness that you would like. And the offensive line in the running game was really good again for the second straight week. They averaged uh, 4.2 yards per carry in the run game. I felt like it was even a little bit better than that, better than maybe the the average uh, says. Duke Johnson had six carries for 31 yards. He got 5.2 yards per carry. Uh, the, the, their, their carries went down because of Deshaun. He, he had four carries for five yards, and the average uh, sort of sunk because of him. But, you know, if you look at the run game for two straight weeks, I mean, it's going to start being a situation, Stephen, where O'Brien's going to have to maybe lean on this running game a little bit more than he feels comfortable with because they've done a good job and they seem to know what they're doing in that situation. And, you know, the, the passing game is, is iffy and Deshaun makes some bad decisions sometimes as far as holding on to the ball. And, you know, just, I, I just feel like uh, he started to see the light in the second half by that second possession, they start running the ball and, and it was working for the most part. Well, I think Bill O'Brien likes to run the football, but he just hasn't had the kind of weapons up until this year that, allows him to do it on a more consistent basis. You know, that drive in the first half when the Texans got a field goal, another good possession ball control drive. I think that's what the Texans offense needs to do. Obviously, they need to come away with seven points more than they do three in those situations. But I really like the fact that when the running game is working, and if Deshaun can just continue like he did last week to make some big pass plays when he needs to, that this offense is really going to start clicking it's only the second week, and, the, you know, they, yeah, they did fall off quite a bit, but I still have high hopes for the Texans' offense moving forward as a whole. Good to see Laramie Tunsil back out on the field. That twisted ankle there it didn't look good. It was a little bit scary. You know, one of the things, Stephen, about these, uh, these games, when you see the Texans favored by nine against the Jags after losing week one, after coming off a tough Monday nighter, I kind of thought, yeah, that that's something that, you might want to put a little bit of money on. I don't know if the Texans should be favored by nine. And if you want to do that kind of thing, my bookie's the place to go because, hey, it's it's a way to pick some winners and get some easy money. You know, if you're walking down the street and you see some easy money, you take it, right? If it's sitting there. You got to take it. Go to my bookie. It's fast. It's easy. And they pay when you win. Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to... Bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing if you're going to bet football this season. Throw some money on the Texans. Bet with my bookie. And did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? By the second half, it looks like your bet is going to lose. You can always take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet the NFL season, that's the best time of year to do it. Join now and my bookie. They're going to double your deposit, double that first deposit, because with the promo code Houston, thanks to us, that activates your offer. Just remember that the promo code is Houston. Real easy to remember. If you forget, just go to our show description. It's right there. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Well, let's go back to one last thing about the offense. We didn't talk about this, but a guy that you got to, Always talk about is DeAndre Hopkins, and, and he was held in relative check. Just five catches for 40 yards. Jalen Ramsey uh, causing him some issues. That's always a fun matchup. 
Almost was a little scuffle more between uh, Jalen and his coach, though, than uh, <laughs> yeah. him and DeAndre. The, the fighting wasn't really between him and DeAndre in this game. It was him and his, his, his head coach. That That's Jalen Ramsey for you, though. I was I was going to say, that would have been the last thing I would have predicted before the game started. I figured if there was going to be a scuffle or yelling and screaming, it was going to be between Ramsey and Hopkins. I, I wouldn't have thought that Ramsey was, was going to go after his coach because all, all because of a play he didn't challenge – from several plays back, like, dude, you, you got to put your head back in the game. It's gone. It's done. But, uh, you know, unfortunately for the Texans, he didn't completely lose his cool and get himself. Doug didn't sit him down. They needed him in there. But, you know, it's it's always exciting in some way when DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Jalen Ramsey get together. So uh, today was no exception. QT gets his first action this year. A couple of early catches. It looked like they were trying to get him going early and then. Just really didn't go back to him. I mean, they're kind of going back and forth, I think, with with him and Kenny Stills at wide receiver. But, you know, QT was so good in the slot last year. It's it's frustrating because it, it looked like that was the guy that Deshaun would go, go to with, with checkdowns. And I thought bringing in Duke Johnson would help a little bit. But, you know, you just didn't get a whole lot from either one of those two guys in the passing game. And that that's where you know, he can get some help where he doesn't get hit. Just take a few less shots to the face and to the head, get rid of the ball quickly. They, they need to do that. And maybe that's the thing that you've got to do. Remind Deshaun early in games or early in second halves. It's just, Hey, let's, let's get into a rhythm. Let's get rid of the ball quickly. And let's get into this idea that, Hey, let's, we, we can't take these shots on you. You, you can't do this the entire season. Duke Johnson, in this game with no catches, and uh, like I said, QT with only two. Yeah, and it's the, the Texans having so many more weapons now, both in the running game and the receiving core. I'm a, it, it, you almost wonder if maybe it's a little too much information for Deshaun. It's like, okay, do I go to this? Do I go to that? Do I? Because they, they clearly didn't have the same kind of creativity in the game today that they did in the Saints game last week, and I think some of that, does have to be credited to the Jaguars' defense. They got torched last week. They played a whole lot better this week, but still, the Texans just have too many weapons for Deshaun not to be able to pick something out and go to it. And I know Duke Johnson, I think he dropped one pass out of the, the backfield, and they didn't seem to go to him much after that as far as pass catching. But And, and QT, uh, you know, he looks fully healthy, but is he still trying to get the rust off and get back in the game? Only time will tell that. Defensively. What stood out to you? What did you notice? Whitney Merciless does it again. I mean, we're we're seeing the Whitney Merciless that we were hoping to see this year. You know, if, if Jerry Jones were the owner of the Texans, he'd probably say, Clowney who? Because Whitney Merciless is making us forget about Jadevian Clowney. Two sacks, two forced fumbles. He had a, a sack last week and an interception. Wow. He has definitely become that part of the defense that everybody needs to take a look at along with J.J. Watt. And, of course, you knew J.J. wasn't going to get shut out two weeks in a row, right? One of the things that uh, I noticed about Whitney, though, was this fantastic spin move, especially that second uh, sack where he forced the fumble and then J.J. recovered. That was an incredible spin move he put on, and he did it a couple of times in this game, and it's it's something that you wouldn't see from Clowney. You didn't see from Mario Williams. You, you didn't see the diversity in their games on the pass rush. And that's where Whitney can be a little bit better than those guys. But 
you know, Whitney's going to get that one-on-one and, and Clowney and Mario Williams, they were getting more, maybe more double teams, although not as many as some people might've thought, but you know, Whitney, it's his skill level. You know, it, it's not the power. He's got to use that skill. And and that was really impressive. And, and, and JJ, he's, he's back to getting like triple double and triple team. They, they showed a montage during the telecast and, you know, we're, we're back to that, Steven. So it's, it's going to be tough on him this year. And the other guys, that they've got to step up. Well, that's the key is the other guys have to step up. And, you know, if Whitney keeps playing lights out the way he is, I mean, he can't double and triple team both Merciless and Watt. You know, something has to give. So if the other guys can step up, you know, Zach Cunningham made some great plays today, too. And Whitney making some great plays. So that's really the key, I think, to why the Texans defense played so much better today than they did last week is more guys were stepping up. They they were definitely putting more pressure early. That was one of my keys. I I call them Kerr's keys to victory today is that the Texans needed to get pressure early on Minshew and do it as often as possible. Throw his confidence off. Don't let him get started. And they certainly did that quite a bit throughout the game today. Helped a little bit by the fact that Cam Robinson missed his second consecutive game for the Jags, their, their tackle. and But, I mean, if you look at the first three drives, it was a Zach Cunningham sack. You mentioned him on a second down blitz. The second drive was Jacob Martin uh, showing a little bit because his quarterback pressure on third down was big. And then the third drive, J.J. Watt was not in the game. So there's no credit of, oh, J.J., you know, he drew the double and triple team. No, this was Brennan Scarlett. And Charles Amenahu with the sack, and and they credit Amenahu, I believe, with the fumble on that one. But it looked like Brendan Scarlett got it from the back. I, I, you know, whatever. Those two guys were there at the quarterback. Those were key. Of course, Merciless was huge in that last drive of the first, uh, or the was it the last drive of the first half? Yeah, the last drive of the first half. Yeah, that ended up uh, the sack ended up resulting in the field goal, stopped the drive, and then. That uh, one that we mentioned earlier with the forced fumble, which, you know, led to the touchdown. That was the that was the key play of the game because the Texans couldn't drive down the field and score touchdowns. But that gave them a short field and and they were able to do it. Um, Anything else from from uh, the defense? I thought Lonnie Johnson, you know, they didn't pick on him. So that was good. And and when he when he did get some uh, action, he was around the ball. It, it wasn't terrible. I mean, it, it still seems like he's got some potential. Yeah, I certainly, I think we expected to see them kind of switching off where they would put Roby on the inside and Little on the outside and Johnson would get to play. You know, the, the good thing is he didn't get burned on a big touchdown play today. He certainly way outplayed the now cut Aaron Colvin, who's with the Redskins, I believe. So Lonnie got his chance and I thought he looked okay. So I think you're going to continue to see more of that as the weeks go on. And that really helped. Another key, I think, is why the Texans played so much better on defense. The coverage was better. Penalties on special teams. I remember this from our old special teams coordinators. What's going on with Brad Seeley? We have the Peter Columbay penalty on the first punt return. Keon Crossan on the second punt return. Barkevius Mingo running into the punter. Luckily, that one was declined. It could have been a roughing penalty. It could have cost him a first down. But three penalties on punt coverage, you know, I, I mean, I I guess the punting was a little bit better by Trevor Daniel, but what did you think of special teams? Yeah, the special teams were, again, shaky. At least it didn't cost them the game today. But, you know, four of the Texans' first seven possessions 
were inside their own 20, and a couple of those were because of uh, results of penalties on the punt return by the special teams. So, yeah, Brad Seeley, the special teams guru, uh, he's not guruing too much this year because last week they, they, they looked much worse than we expected. And then they got those penalties today. So, yeah, they definitely need to step it up on special teams. Were you mad about the 12 men on the field at the end of the game? Yeah, I was. Oh, I I sat there going, you're not going to tell me that this is going to cost us the game this week, are you? Another coaching miscommunication is going to cost another game for the Texans. You know, thankfully, that didn't come back to hurt them. But those are just the type of things that you can't have happen in a close game at the very end of the game. I just I shake my head and scratch it sometimes how these guys can do this on a, such a consistent basis. Do you feel like this, you know, no preseason action by anybody and there's just such little work that's done with, you know, 11 on 11, you know, there's the couple of scrimmages, which is fine. But I mean, that that's the problem, you know, to me is a lot of these, these miscommunication and, you know, offensive line miscommunication stuff that we see with the Texans and just all of that, it feels like, that's just you get that through repetition. I'd say so, but you know, for something like a twelfth man on the field, I mean, you know what your scheme should be. How can you not have the right players in at the right time? I I don't know that, you know, a couple more preseason games here or there is going to make a difference with something like that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just feel like that, all that stuff is like if you if it's just all second nature to you, then you know, oh, I'm not in on this one or you know a defensive coach immediately recognizes wait a second what's he doing out there somebody yell get him out of the game he's not supposed to be in there I don't know it's that type of stuff to me is just really basic coaching it's coaching isn't it yeah that's what I think that's that's why I blame that more on the coaches than the player in this particular instance yeah because it seemed to take them a while to get to even figure it out well they didn't figure it out because the flag was thrown so they never figured it out till it was too late Anything else in your notes from this one? I, I feel like I've, I've just about run out of stuff here. Well, I'd say, you know, all in all, uh, the Texans probably had a bit of a letdown. I, I mean, I I didn't expect them to cover nine. Well, I didn't expect them to, to be in a blowout, but I, I certainly expected much more on the offense. But I, I thought it was interesting, Robert, that I think in most cases, the defense actually outplayed the offense today. When was the last time we had actually said that? I, I was a little surprised by that. But these are the kind of wins, you know, you take them. A win is a win. Some are going to be ugly. Some are going to be impressive. You know, the, the bottom line is the Texans are one and one, and they're going to have a very, very tough game in L.A. next week. Yeah, you got to get this one. This is one they had to get if they were going to be serious about contending this year. I mean, look at. The schedule coming up, you got the Chargers and Phillip Rivers. You got Cam Newton and the Panthers. Yeah, that's a home game, but it's not going to be too easy. They've got uh, the Falcons are coming into town. We'll see how they look. But, you know, Matt Ryan, uh, he can still throw the ball around a little bit. Then you have the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes, the Colts after that. I mean, none of these look like they're real gimmies. And, and we knew this coming into the season. It was going to be like this. So this was a, this was a must win. They figured out a way to get it done, but they've just they've got to get a whole lot sharper. Deshaun Watson has got to get a whole lot sharper, not just because of this offense and and making it better, but because if he doesn't get sharper, you know, he's going to be in a body bag by the end of the season. Well, that's for sure. And the Texans defense is going to be on the field a lot more, which we really don't want. You know, let's put it this way. They got a break today with Minshew here. We thought that it was going to be Nick Foles when the the season started and we were looking at the schedule. 
they got a break today compared to what they're going to be going up against in the future. Quick hot tip and a, and a great story today. David Quesenberry, who the Texans drafted in the sixth round back, I think it was in 2013, and he gets hurt his first year. So he misses his first year with the Texans. I forget if it was a, a an ankle or something, but it was it, it was something that cost him to miss his entire first season. And then he gets cancer and he's out mm-hmm. for a few years and he fights his way back, but he doesn't quite make the regular season roster. And even though he got to play in the preseason, then that was cool. He ends up playing for the Titans and uh, he, this year and he scores a touchdown today against uh, the division rival Colts and just an incredible story. The Colts win that one. So all three teams, the Colts, the Titans and the Texans tied at one and one Jags at zero and two, but David Quesenberry, I mean, you, you can't beat that storyline. I mean, David Quesenberry, this guy, we were wondering whether he was going to live much less play in the NFL. And he's a, he gets the old tackle eligible and scores a touchdown. Yeah. Once again, you know, we've talked about this on previous shows, you know, even guys who don't play for the Texans or the Astros or whomever we're talking about, or in this case, David Quesenberry, who did play for the Texans, you want to see them succeed. And I was pulling so hard for him to make the team. And it's just, it's wonderful that he could even come back, but I was really pulling for him to make the Texans. I'm sorry he didn't make the Texans, but at least he did catch on with another team, even if it is in the Texans' own division. Of course, it would be that way, right? So, yeah, hats off to, to David Quesenberry. You know, that's that's something he'll remember for the rest of his life, for sure. And one of the great uh, video uh, scenes that we saw on Sunday was the, the fire, the speaker fire on the field right before the Titans game. That was kind of <laughs> cool. I, I think that's going to be a, a gif. And every time the Titans are having a bad game, that was going to come back uh, over and over and over again. So uh, that was pretty funny. But I tell you what, I mean, it's it's this division looks like it's going to be a dogfight. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's going to run away with it. I think the Titans are a pretty good team. Uh, the Colts are a pretty good team. The Texans are a good team. I, I, I don't know what the Jags are going to do the rest of the year. I, I just don't think they've got the head coach, to be honest with you. It just doesn't look like anything extraordinary is going on with their coaching. And without a great quarterback, you really need great coaching. And, and they just don't have it. And they haven't had it. It seems like since, you know, you got to go back to, you know, their early days and, you know, that's it just they just haven't found the right guy the last few years. And so I'm just I'm not too concerned about the Jags. They had the good year. Everything kind of went right from a couple of years ago. No injuries. The defense was playing out of their mind. And somehow you were able to get as far as you were able to get with Blake Bortles at quarterback. But you knew that wasn't history was probably not going to repeat itself there. And so it feels like they're, they're kind of back into that same old uh, sort of rut that they've been in. Well, an exciting race means an exciting season. So uh, hopefully for the Texans and uh, Texans fans, it'll be an exciting season. We've, we've certainly had a couple of exciting games so far. So we'll just have to see what happens the rest of the way. But, yeah, it should be an interesting AFC South. Yeah, good good stuff for the Texans that they were able to pull, pull this one out. But, you know, you just gotta, they got to get it together, and, and they got to get a lot more consistency going on, especially on the offensive side of the football. So we'll be looking forward to that the next game next week uh thanks again to our brand new sponsor my bookie and if you forget the promo code it's on our show description so uh just go check it out there as well as the uh, website is on as in the show description mybookie.ag we'll be back with the astros conversation that we have every week in a couple of days maybe some 
little bit of Texans news, Rockets news, uh, college sports, all that stuff is coming up in a couple of days. So keep an eye out for that. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.